Well, welcome to our second week in our series, Rise. And if you were not here last week for Easter Sunday, I highly encourage you to uh, check out uh, our podcast and listen to that because that really kind of lays the framework for the entire series that we're in right now. But the, the series is all talking about the power to rise above. There are moments in time where we have kind of this thought and we get locked into thinking in that we cannot, uh, we, we can either do something on our own that is absolutely beyond our control and power. And that's what we talked about last week at Easter. Of course, we cannot conquer and we cannot deal with death unless we, we have God. And so there's things that we can't conquer. But then there's another thinking that can sometimes enter into the way that we think about things. And I want to just take a few moments to kind of reverse that thinking. And the thinking is that we are kind of stuck in this world where we have all of these habits, sins, difficulties that will always plague our life now and forevermore. That we're sinners and that's how we will always be. Now, we are sinners. We all understand that. But there is more to that. And so today I want to talk about the power to rise above my sin. Um, and so if you will, turn with me to Ephesians 2 and it's going to come up on the screen. And we're going to read the passage in Ephesians 2 verses 1 through 10. If I can find it here. Should have had it marked. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 says this. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh. And following its desires and its thoughts. Like the rest, we by nature deserving wrath. But because of his great for love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incom incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God. Not by works that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So let me kind of set the stage of some of the things that we think about sometimes and some of the mentality that creeps in even to uh, church circles and people who are, are honestly trying to seek God is that there's, you know, these kinds of things that we need to reverse. This error, there is an error that can come into our world, an error of arrogance. The error of arrogance is that I, like, 
have come to a point in time where I have like figured out things about God. I have a relationship with God. And, and there is times where people in church circles kind of lord over this idea of I am in a way better than other people because, you know, I have some maybe things in my life together. And there's horror stories and there's pictures that we've even seen depicted in media and movies about people who are really kind of hypocritical and mean-spirited towards anybody that they perceive in kind of the outside. And that is an incorrect way to think about it. Because as this Bible verse talks about, it says, we are completely and totally helpless for our salvation without God. And that's what we talked about last week, that there are so, so many things in our life that are beyond our ability to handle. And we need God. And God gives us graciously the opportunity to find life, to find forgiveness, to find salvation. And there is really, without God, you are hopeless in that. There's nothing you can do. And so this Bible, these Bible verses talk about how we can't be people who are arrogant. I heard the quote um, from Pastor Matt Chandler. I'm not sure if it's original with him, but I heard him say that in this great exchange between God and you, the only thing you bring to the table is the sin that makes your salvation necessary. Let me repeat that. The, in this great exchange between God and you, the only thing you bring to the table is the sin that makes your salvation necessary. What we bring to the table in our relationship with God is we are sinners in desperate need of God's help. That's where it starts. But there's an, also an opposite error. There's also the error that can creep in when we... When we overstate this, this kind of error of indifference, in a way. Indifference towards the fact that I am a sinner. What I mean by that is this. Is that there's this idea that maybe I am a sinner and there's nothing I can bring to the table. God does it all. So there's really nothing I can do. This is what, who I am. This is what I was born into. This is who I am, and I'll always be like this. If I have, like, you know, kind of these rough edges or these areas in my life that are, that are like, not where they should be, well, there's nothing I can do. I'm a sinner, and that's who I am. There is a balance between those points of view. And that's what the passage of Scripture I just read talks about. That there should be, people of God should be people who are completely, 100%, humble and very well aware that there's absolutely nothing they could do to find salvation without the grace of God. However, that they are empowered, really empowered by God to do good works, to do good things, to do amazing things uh, for God. As that last verse says, that you are God's handiwork created by Christ to do good works which God prepared for you in advance to do. So it's interesting because Easter is a funny time. Every single year, Easter is a very unique Sunday. 
some people get dressed up, right? I wore slacks last week. Was that, was that something else? I do wear slacks sometimes, but I wore jeans today. Okay, it's not Easter Sunday. I could wear jeans. That's what I was thinking. I was getting ready this morning. But everybody, you know, gets all dressed up. Everything's excited. Every, there's a big crowd in the house. It has been said that the lowest attended Sunday across churches in America is the Sunday after Easter, right? Because people... They put in their Easter Sunday service so they don't need to come the next week. And the next week's not going to be as cool because it's not Easter, you know? You don't have the cool dresses and you don't get as excited and you don't do all these things. And there's, like, sometimes we can get locked into this kind of thinking that is subtle that is like, you know what? I said the prayer. Maybe I was even baptized. I have a relationship with God. There we go. I'm all set. That's it. That's the story. That's not the story. It's in some ways almost like the dramatic movie where somebody is like on their deathbed and they live like a horrible life. And the family comes around and is like, you know what? These are your last moments. And in that moment, they say that prayer and they're like, they, they, they make restitution. And that moment in time, they have a relationship with God. I believe 100% wholeheartedly that can happen. But that's, that's not the best scenario. Do we understand that? That's not the best scenario. The best scenario is not just showing up on Easter and having that moment where we make our peace with God and leave it like that. That's missing it. It's kind of like getting the lotto ticket, winning it, and never redeeming it. And that is... What we want to talk about today, that God gave us the power, not through our own strength, not because we're incredibly gifted or special. God empowers, through God's Holy Spirit, the ability for us to overcome sin in our life. Overcome those things that nag us and hold us back. Because let's be very clear, what sin is, is it's a destructive force. That's what sin is. Sin is the destructive force that breaks apart relationships with one another and it breaks apart our relationship with God. It's the destructive force that put Jesus on the cross. It's the destructive force that we have to understand is what is wrong in this world. Ultimately, this is the problem. And so the solution is not just forgiveness. The solution is greater than that. And that's what God gives us the power to do. Last week, uh, we had the great opportunity. We put our fresh flowers on the cross here. And this week, they're dead. Right? Okay. Let's show a picture of what the cross looked like last week. If you are here on Easter, we had these fresh, beautiful flowers... Okay? And we put them around the cross, symbolizing the fact that there is new life. That there is new life in Christ. And you know what? That, like, that cross that is a symbol of death, that cross that is also adorned with a crown of thorns, that cross is, was just a momentary thing, but that was the seed that sprung new life. And look at that. Isn't that pretty beautiful? Isn't that nice? 
Look at the pathetic cross we have over here today, okay? You know what? It's not quite, it's not as pathetic as I was hoping it would be, but it's pretty pathetic. Can anybody pick out the flower that you put on there that's now like dangling and is just dust? It's gone. Because guess what? Just like a flower, okay? If it's, if it's not tended to, if it doesn't have soil, if it doesn't have water, if it doesn't have sunlight, it dries up. And there can be a picture, and this is an experience that I think almost all of us in one way or another can relate to. There can be a picture of having a momentary picture of new life and hope and excitement, but very quickly it can turn dry and stale. And that is a problem. That's a problem. And I don't know if you've had this experience, but I've had this experience so many times where I'm, where I'm trying and I'm struggling through and I'm like, you know what? I, I, I just need to persevere and push through and I can get through this moment in time in my life and I can figure out the answer. And I have like areas in my life that are, that are problems. I'd like to be a better husband. I'd like to be a nicer person. Sometimes I like to be grumpy, but I like, you know, there's things in my life that I would like to change, and I seem to go back into the same pattern over and over, and it's just this kind of life experience that sometimes we look at and like, is this it? Is this life that we just cycle through and wait till next Easter where we can get a pep talk and just get through and just endure life until we get to the end of it? No, that is not the message of God. That's not the message of Scripture, and that is not the message that Christ gives us. Christ gives us a message of power, of incredible power. Power to rise above. Power to overcome. But again, remember, this power can only come from God. It is beyond us. And so if you want to struggle and strain and just kind of like try to gut it out, good luck. Because it's something bigger than that. Salvation really is, it is a picture of God redeeming us. God forgiving us, but then God transforming us. God putting us into a place, kind of this environment, where we can thrive and grow over time. And God gives us the power to do that. And don't be fooled into thinking that you just are stuck. And that's the only place you can ever be. So today I want to I think about some things that we can do to change. And as I approach this, I'm a little bit reluctant. Because it's, it kind of is going to, it feels like, or it comes across a little bit of like a list of checkbox. One, two, three, you're all set. But we know life is more complicated than that, don't we? Life is harder than that. And it's kind of, it's a journey with ups and downs, difficulties, struggles, one step forward and one step back, and then continuing on. We know that that's what life is like, Right? And so I, I hope that you don't take this, what I'm going to say, as kind of like, this is like the answer, and if you just implement these quick, easy steps, you're all set. It's more complicated than that. But here's how I would like to kind of present it, is that this 
These are things that are essential. These are things that must be in place for you to thrive. Like a plant planted without water, good soil, and sunlight, there is no hope. Right? This is where we're at. Okay? Likewise, these three things are essential. And if they're not a part of what's going on in your life, I don't think you'll be in a place where you're, you're overcoming and moving forward to a new era in your life, a new place of overcoming sin in your life. I don't think, I think you will in some ways kind of just be that stagnant person that in some ways just has a picture of faith like the deathbed faith, the person that just kind of cries out to God as a last-ditch effort, but it never really changes or transforms their life. By God's grace, I, I believe that there are people that, you know, can do that and find God and find hope and find salvation. But I hope, I hope that we don't just settle for that, right? I hope that that's not it. I hope that there's something more. I hope it's something that gives me power to change my life, right? I hope that I'm, I'm getting better. I hope I'm growing closer to God. I hope. And so, yeah, it's possible to have a deathbed relationship with God. It's possible to have that relationship with God. But that's not it. That's not all of it. There's more. And so these three things, I think, if they're not in place, if they're not something that are being cultivated like a garden, like the soil, like the sun, like the water, it will, you will inevitably be at the place where the flowers wilt and it's just a memory. Okay? And so take it like that, not as a checklist, but take it as conditions necessary for growth to take place. Okay? So the first thing is this. The first thing is, is we, there has to be repentance. 1 John 1, 9 says this, and it's going to come up on the screen. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So the, the passage is talking about our repentance. And now, now that, that seems simple and that seems obvious. It's something that we talk about on a weekly basis as we take communion. It's something that is a cornerstone that we, you know, we believe that we, we repent of our sins. If we do this, God will forgive us. But understand, repentance is a very powerful word. That that confession is very powerful, and it shouldn't be something that falls into the category of, like, cheap grace. This idea of get-out-of-jail-free card kind of thing. Not a cheap grace. It is something that is a profound thing. Not a, not a simple, perfunctory prayer. It is something that is a brokenness. And that's what I really think is identified by true repentance, is a, is a moment of absolute brokenness. A moment in time where we recognize and realize that we need help. Kind of the, the, the bottom point. There has to be a po point in time where there is just this overwhelming sense 
that I desperately, desperately need God's help. If, if our hearts don't soften up in that way, if our hearts don't realize the devastation of sin, if our hearts don't realize how awful the, the, the consequences of sin are, if we don't realize the real pain that our actions cause, then I don't know if we'll really get to a point where we can, we can be filled up. It's that broken point. It's that point where we say we are turning away and we're making a clear decision. Now, there is, there is a really profound decision that I think everyone really needs to face to be in a place where they grow closer and closer to God. It is this. The decision is that if God speaks, and it's clearly evident to me that God wants me to do something in my life, God's will will override my will. That I am going to put God's will ahead of my own. That's kind of a true place of repentance and brokenness, saying, God, I trust that your will, your desire, your plan for my life is the best plan, and I'm going to defer to you. That's true repentance. Because if it, if it doesn't get to that point, what it kind of is, is it's saying sorry to get out of trouble. It's not saying sorry to turn and to do something different. You see the difference. If there is not a place of brokenness and true understanding that God's way is right, even if I don't understand it 100%, then it's going to be hard to move forward. It's going to be hard to move on. It's going to be hard for us to access that power of God to overcome other things in our life if we don't settle once and for all who is in control. True repentance is a turning away. It's a turning away. And if there is a sin in your life that is revealed, that is there something that your conscience is speaking to you? You see it in the word, you are hearing it in the message, you're convicted of, I want to do something different about that. Then in that moment in time, that needs to be something in your life where you say, that is wrong and God's way is right. And I'm repenting of that and I'm turning away from it. And the next time I confront it, and you may inevitably confront that sin again, you will say, that is sin, and I'm not going to continue to live that way in my life. And I need to repent again of that. If there is kind of a feeling like, I am going to be a little bit wishy-washy on whether or not doing sin is okay or not, that's not true repentance. And so if God is clearly speaking, and there's things that are muddy and difficult, and there's gray areas, and I understand morality is not 100% clearly right and wrong every situation, but there is things that are clear, and you know that, and you've repented and turned away, that's a line that has been drawn. The scripture says don't lie. And so if, you're, if you lie then and you've repented of that, the next time that situation comes up and if you lie, you have to identify that's, that's a sin. And I need to repent of that. And I need to not allow that to just continue to persist in my life. It's not just okay. And so true repentance is a true turning away. 
True repentance is not a getting, asking for forgiveness to get out of consequence. True repentance is saying, I used to, this used to be okay in my life. And I'm turning away now. Because I'm going to follow God's way in this area of my life. And so if true repentance isn't a part of that garden, isn't a part of that, that, that mix, it's hard to move forward. It's hard to move forward. We'll, we'll constantly be in this place of, you know, uh, justifying our actions and kind of being okay and being in that category of indifference towards our sin. And we'll never, we'll never move forward. We'll never make progress. So that's one thing that has to be cleared. And it's really hard, and it's difficult sometimes. It's hard to do that because we can easily say, you know what, I'm only human. That is true. And 100%, by the grace of God, you should know that you're forgiven. But it's still sin, and it's still destructive, and we still need to turn away. And we still need to repent. And so if there's something clear... And let's not complicate it with things that are unclear. Let's just say there are things that are clear that we all can know. There's a right and there's a wrong. There's a path that we need to decide that's a line. And at that point in time, I repent and turn away. When that creeps into my life, I admit that that it was wrong and I repent of that. No, like, no justification of it. That is what it is. The second part is really critical, and it has to be up against what we talked about first. Repent. Is the rest. And let me explain this uh, by reading Romans 8.1. It says this. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now let me be very clear. That we should not, we should clearly identify, repent of, and say what sin is sin. But there has to be a place where we get to, where we recognize and realize, like what we talked about already, that God is the only one that forgives. This is the place of humility, where we find our rest in God's total and complete forgiveness. We find our rest in the fact that God has said we are loved, children of God, and although we are sinners, Christ has forgiven us. We need to find peace. We need to be at a place where we're not like in this constant um, insecurity of God's, uh, re our relationship with God. We're not constantly being borne down by kind of these things that keep creeping into our life. What we need to do is we want, need to find a place of rest in what God has done. Do you believe that what God has done is sufficient to forgive your sins? And we need to find rest in that. There are things that you've done in your life that you're not proud of. There are things in your life that you would not want anyone else in this room to know about. And there are times where we can just live in this world where this rules our life and it's constantly in our mind and it's constantly swirling around and constantly we are thinking, I'm not, I'm not good enough for God's love. And we're just completely um, just, just struggling with that. 
We need to find a place of rest, trusting that what God did is sufficient. That God's forgiveness is sufficient. That therefore we have confessed, I've repented of my sins. That is sufficient. And there is no longer condemnation for me. You see, if we, if we don't get to this place of rest, we'll, we will never even ha- be able to try. We'll never get the plane off the ground because we'll be constantly riddled with guilt. That's not God's plan for you either. God's plan for you is this. When a when situation comes up that is beyond your control, that's sin is bigger than you. You cannot remedy this on your own. That when we're faced with that, we repent and we find forgiveness and we move forward. Not we repent, we find forgiveness, and we endlessly um, feel guilty for the rest of our lives because of all the things that we've done. That should not be where we're at. We have to find a place of rest. We have to find that balance. We have to find that peace. And what that is, is a constant understanding that it is the loving, merciful God of the universe that did this for us. That did this for us. God forgave us. This is huge. It should put us in a place of not guilt. It should put us in a place of incredible appreciation. For the love of God. That should be our overwhelming feeling. Is complete rest in the fact that the creator of the universe has gone above and beyond for me. And done what I do not deserve. And you see, if we have this attitude that the arrogance can't creep in when we start to make progress. Because what we realize is we say, it's only because of God. It's only because of God I'm forgiven. It's only because of God that I'm at this place. I've done some things in my past that are awful. But it's only because of God that I, I can be here. But we have to find a place of rest. We have to find our trust in God. We have to find what truly is our power source. And that is being completely and totally at peace with what God has done through us. That assurance, that rest. The third thing is this. We need to receive. Luke eleven thirteen says this. Jesus kind of talking to people about prayers. He said, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children. So he's saying, you are not God. You are faulted. You are flawed. You still give good gifts to your children. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Will God show up? Do you believe that God will show up in power to help you? I think some of us don't believe that. And and we have to receive. We have to be willing to receive the power of God to move forward in our life. The power of God to say, God, I have been riddled with and struggled with this destructive sin in my life that has harmed relationships, that has harmed a lot of different things in my past. And God, I need you to show up and do something that I can't do. God, I need the Holy Spirit to empower me. 
God's spirit that resides with us. You know, we talk a lot about God the Father. We tend to talk about God the Father in the Old Testament, and that's kind of a picture we have of the Creator. We talk, of course, a lot about Jesus, because Jesus is God in flesh, our Savior that was here and walked among us. But just as much a part of who God is, is God's Spirit that is with us and dwells among us and walks beside us. This is not three gods. This is, this is God. God's spirit is there. And if we have these moments in time where we're in services like this, and we go and we, maybe we put the flower on the cross, maybe we feel like during a song, like something is, is stirring within us. If we feel like this is something that is moving within me, this is God's spirit that is going before and preparing the way. And giving you opportunity to respond. This is God's spirit. And you know what? This is something that is so undeniable that even, even people who would say, I, I don't know if I believe in God, have sensed it at some point in time in their life. And I believe at some point in time in your life, no matter where you're at in your relationship with God, You've had those moments in time where you felt something burning inside you where you're like, something's got to change. Something's got to be different. Something's got to move. Something's got to be transformed in my life. And that is God's spirit working within you and in your life. And amazingly, God, God does that. And God has given us every opportunity to receive God's full power in our life. God has given us every opportunity for us to access his full power, not just for forgiveness, but for him to help us move forward. Something greater, something bigger, something more profound. But we have to, we have to seek. How do you find this? This is elusive and sometimes hard. But it's one of these things that I know, like we, to go back to that analogy of the, the fertile ground in the garden. When you put yourself in a place where you have repented, you are at rest, you are putting yourself in a place where you're seeking and trying to find God, God does move and God does show up. He does. This is not necessarily, this is a journey over time. So it's not necessarily one moment in time and all of a sudden everything is gone and different. But what it is, is we are moving and taking steps and being filled with God's spirit. And then again and again being renewed again and again and again. We have to receive. And what I would say to receive God's spirit is I would take an all of the above approach. What I mean by that is this. Every opportunity that you have to be filled with God's power, take it. Take it. Never say no. Okay? Never say no when God is speaking and moving in your life. Put yourself in a place where you can receive. Every opportunity we have this, uh, when we gather every week, man, take that opportunity. Embrace it. Fill yourself up with it. Seek, search your heart and see where God can speak into your life again. If you have uh, time on your own to pray and to read the Bible, 
take that opportunity to receive God's spirit in that moment in time. There's moments where I have conversations with people where all of a sudden, like, it is clear that this is a moment beyond, that God is speaking and doing something. And you can even sometimes, I, I feel the chills up my spine when I'm like, there is a moment going on right now that is bigger than myself. Fully embrace that and be right there in that moment, in that time, in that presence, right in that moment. To receive. Will your heart be opened to say, God, when you are speaking, God, when you are moving, God, when you are present, I will be available. And I'm going to listen. And I'm going to be open. And I'm going to move. God gives us the power for forgiveness. And that's what the Easter story is about. But God also gives us the power to rise above these things in our life that have plagued us year after year after year. It's not through your strength. But God gives you the power for that. God loves you and wants to see you overcome sin in your life. He wants to see you move forward. He wants to, you to see you put those things behind you and come to a new place. I invite you to pray with me right now. And we're going to take these moments, and this is one of these moments in time, one of these opportunities where we have a, a chance to receive. We have a chance to be open to soften our heart, to repent, to find rest, but to be filled with God again. So it's appropriate at this time to start with repentance. To start by saying sorry. And if there's something in your life that you know you can clearly identify is a sin in your life that sometimes maybe you have been okay with, right now in this moment, confess that. Say, God, sometimes I am not 100% with the truth. Forgive me, that's a lie. Whatever it may be in your life. Be clear, repent, and know as well you can find 100% rest in that moment. You can trust and believe that God's forgiveness is sufficient. And open your heart up to receive. I invite you just to take a moment and pray on your own. Open your heart up to God.